Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 372 of the Juice Box Podcast and episode one, two, three, four, five, six, episode seven of the After Dark series. So far, we've done After Dark for drinking, weed smoking, trauma and addiction, sex from the female perspective, depression and self-harm, sex from the male perspective. Today, we're doing divorce from the perspective of the father of a child with type 1 diabetes. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored today by the Omnipod Tubeless Insulin Plump. Plump. Plump? By the Omnipod Tubeless Insulin Pump. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox today to get a free, no-obligation demo of the Omnipod sent directly to your home. Plump up your diabetes game. I don't even know what I'm talking about. The episode is also sponsored by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box will tell you everything you need to know about what is, in my opinion, the world's most amazing diabetes tool for measuring your blood sugar. See what direction and speed your blood sugar is moving in in real time with the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. You want to make good decisions about insulin? Get a G6. If you've been thinking about these tools and have been procrastinating, what are you doing? Get to it. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, ay ay ay, you have to go look. This stuff is amazing. It took me quite some time to find someone willing to come on and talk about being divorced and having a child with type 1 diabetes and the co-parenting that goes with it. But today you're going to speak to a wise and brave man named Jeremy. And he's really going to share how his divorce went, when his son's diagnosis cropped into the story, and how they dealt with things and continue to deal with things to this day. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, Please always consult a physician before making changes to your medical plan or becoming bold with insulin. You could become part of some amazing type 1 diabetes research right there from the comfort of wherever your butt is at this moment, from your phone or computer. Go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Take, you got you to be from the U.S. for this. Take uh, a short survey. I think it took me about seven minutes to take. You're going to be supporting research and supporting the podcast at the same time. T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. My name is Jeremy Rolsmeyer. I'm a single dad of an 11-year-old type 1 diabetic named Thaman. Um, we've been diagnosed at this point about two and a half years mm -hmm. And we have had an A1C at this point of six or under for the last two years. Oh, congratulations. That's excellent. Um, so you, Jeremy, were very kind. Um, I've put this call out a number of times and never gotten a response. Uh, but of the private messages that I get, a number of them are and consistently about, do you have any episodes about co-parenting? Uh, about, you know, divorce that, you know, I'm having a lot of trouble. Um, it always feels like it's one or the other, you know, either we're not on the same page or one person's taking the care, uh, you know, what, what feels like more seriously to this person than the other person is. 
um, and no one ever really knows how to do it because of all of the other entanglements that that are wrapped around it. And um, so you you're you're here to talk about your 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 time with this, which is is really kind, and I appreciate it for everybody. So unlike most episodes, I'm going to start with uh, how old are you and when did you get married? I'm 38 now. Um, got married when. I want to say I was 25 or 26. Okay. How long did you, how long did you make it? I'm going to try to make this fun if I can. <laughs> how okay, long did so you guys no, make no, it no, before no, one of you was It's perfectly fine. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, I, and I think I have a good way of answering this. And it's not exactly how you want me to answer, but I'm going to answer in this way. Please. So um, I have always, growing up, I, I grew up in roller skating rinks, whether that be in Lincoln, Nebraska, or up here in uh, Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a coworker that said, Hey, I have this friend. I think that you would really like to meet. And she brought, I was the Friday night, Saturday night DJ for 15 plus years at this roller rink at this point. Okay. And she walked through the door and I instantly knew that, yes, that's the one. It, it was one of those things. And at this point, she was 17. I was 21. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, it it was a little different, but it is what it is. And from that point on to the point we got married, it was about four years. Okay. Um, And I'm a product of a divorce myself. And it was one of those things where we wanted to make sure in every way, shape, or form that, that we were going to work. Um, and it even meant that we moved in together and lived together for about two years to make sure that side was going to work. We always knew that we were going to end up getting married, but we wanted to make it, make sure it was going to work. Um, and in the end it, it, it didn't work. Um, we, so we dated for about four years and we were together just under six years. And we've been divorced for just about seven years now. Okay. So you so you were married. So you were together for four years, living together, and then were married for two years? No, we were married for six. Six, excuse me. So four so ten in total. I got it. Yeah. All right. So you went from twenty one to thirty one during that time. Um, excuse me, you met when you were 21. So you got married when you were like 25. She was 21. Okay. I got it. Yep. All right. Sorry. Yep. Um, okay. So, so that's a, yeah, that's a long time. How is there a moment in those 10 years where you thought this is not working the way I wanted it to, or did it sneak up on you? Did you walk in the house one day and she was like, uh, your stuff's on the lawn, I'm leaving. And you went, wait, what's happening? Or did you feel it coming? Uh, can you talk? No, about she, it, it's, uh, I knew that it was coming. It was one of those things where there were all the warning signs. She blatantly told me, look, you know, this needs to happen. Um, and I guess we need to go into a little bit of, of at least, uh, at least what what caused the divorce a little bit to sure. understand kind of what happened. Um, and and at the time, I would have told you, well, like, kind of like you said earlier, that 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 you know that you know I, I married that, and I, and I didn't. It was me 
being, you know, retrospectively looking back over all this, you know, it, it was me, honestly, um, not wanting to put the effort forth in the, in the marriage to make it work. I said, well, I got what I wanted and I don't need to go out and go to the park. I don't need to go out and do this. I don't need to go out and do that. And, um, you know, oh, you want to go have a, have a lunch out at the lake. Okay. Let's go to the lake. And well, I'm hot. Uh, let's drive back. You know, it was me not putting forth a lot of the effort that was required. Um, all around, I guess, being lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was me, um, I guess, being socially awkward, uh, me being having a bit of social anxiety and not liking to be around large groups of people. Um, those aren't excuses. It was just, you know, looking back on it, I think that's a lot of what I was struggling with at the time that, um, it always seemed like she would ask me to go do something. I would tell her, no, I would continue sitting in my chair and she would leave. And it got to that point where she's, you know, she had vocalized her concerns multiple times for a couple of years, to be honest with you. Right. And I kept on saying, you know, no, I'll change. No, I'll change. No, I'll change. And, um, did you, can I ask, did you share with her that you had like this social awkwardness? Was she aware of that? Not really until afterwards. It wasn't until we were, we were divorced and we, uh, for, you know, a good number of years, probably three years or so, um, that, that I, I, we really sat down and talked about it and, uh, it was kind of opening at that point because she, she kind of understood me more at that point and I understood her more. Mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was just a really awkward time. Do you do you have feelings um, that you said you're from a divorced family? Did you feel like you were like that was going to happen at some point? Did you have an expectation that you couldn't stay married? I'm wondering, or no? I I'm, I was always very very much for, from the standpoint of you know marriage because I I mean I grew up in parochial school mm-hmm. until at least uh, sixth grade or so, and I. I was raised that you know whenever you get married you get married and you're you're married and that's it yeah you know once and done it is it isn't a failure option thing um but in a way yes because like like i said you know i i took every precaution um beforehand unlike you know lots of people nowadays or even 10 years ago um where hey stop it cat um where you got to give that cat a better name i know right <laughs> uh where it was uh they just you know kids nowadays they just move in with each other not trying to vet anything um well that's a good point and, so during those four years that you lived together were you awkward then or is that something that you grew into it, it was something i grew into and, and i've always been a bit socially awkward and it's been one of those things where if even now trying to go to Walmart by myself for myself, it's not, it, it's not going to happen unless I have someone there. Like even my son, mm-hmm. if I have someone there, I'm okay. I can go inside. I can shop all day long. Um, it just, it got socially, or it, I guess it got worse with the marriage because 
I started learning that I didn't even have to go. I could just ask her to go. I see. You so know, she was then, taking away this awkwardness for you by being the person who went out and did this thing. You didn't have to be, do that anymore. But then when she yes. wanted to do something personal with you, you were getting more and more comfortable in at home. Exactly. And, okay. Did you? Um, and and I, that, I, here's ahead, the biggest thing. But with, with that, it also, I didn't realize at the time that that's what it was. It it wasn't until you know I. I seeked out a doctor and I, and I talked to a doctor over all this, um, that I found out about all this, you know, I, I knew that there was something wrong and, but I couldn't explain it. It wasn't until after the divorce that I truthfully understood what it was and why I was experiencing it and everything else, mm -hmm. because I've always been okay at work because, well, I've either a been in a position of, power if you will at, at work where i'm in control but you put me in a situation where i'm not in control and that's where i break down okay um and you didn't yeah. even know it yourself so you couldn't even tell her it just felt like i don't want to go out or i'll do it oh because yeah it was, it, it was overwhelming anxiety and and at that time once again didn't know what anxiety really was you hmm. know i it it was it's different i yeah. guess <laughs> And and so I guess when you don't know what it is, it feels like, like oh my god, she's bothering me all the time to do these things. She knows I don't want to do them. Like why? So you can almost get angry in return in this scenario where you have no real, no no real right to be angry, but it just it kind of manifests itself, I guess, in that. Space. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't really call it anger. It was just. Uh... It was, like I said, an overwhelming sense of anxiety. Okay. Um, so you didn't mind her asking you to go out. You just, once the ask happened, you just were like, well, I can't do this. Yeah. And and then you, and I, and I, and I knew there was a, a, a serious breakdown whenever she stopped asking. Right. It was, hey, I'm going to go over to my parents or, hey, I'm going to go do this. It wasn't hey, let's go do this or let's go to the park or let's do this or let's do that. It was I'm going. Mm. So it's kind of it's fairly classic then. So you get married. There's a person there that does this stuff. We are together because I work or you work or we both work and we we intersect. We have a meal. We'll bang our genitals into each other once in a while. Keep the house clean. Pay the bills. That's what we're doing over and over again. Like that's just what this is. And and she wanted more than that. And you were really probably pretty thrilled with how it was, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and the, I mean, don't get me wrong. We had tons of great years, tons of great memories. I imagine. Um, I mean, and I, and I, it, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I, she's, she's been remarried now for three or four years. If she was to get divorced and, and want to get back together, I would take her back in a heartbeat. We've grown that much since then. Um, I still love her as the mother of my child. But we actually get along better now than we did for most of our marriage. Well, I guess probably because you explained yourself to her and she understands now and yeah, you know, and the and the stressor is gone because you know, do you think if do you think if we waved a magic wand and she was back in the house and said, "Hey, let's go out and have a picnic, you'd just be like, "Yeah, cool, or would you say, "Oh no, that makes me anxious, but let's work through it. Like, where are you at? 
it's giving me anxiety right now just thinking about it. Gotcha. Okay. But at the same time, I, I, I don't know. It's like it would be worth it in the long run. And I'm not saying that that will ever happen. I understand. No, I understand you being. In, yeah. in my mind, we've 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 grown enough to. I think we could end up doing it. But that's you're trying to say you know, that you guys have your relationship didn't stop growing when the divorce happened. No. Yeah. It actually, I'll be probably, honest with you. Um, whenever we even so, right after the divorce thing, not right after, right before the divorce, and then the preceding years after the divorce, things were not great. Um, and I think we need to talk about this. Well, that's this why, point. yeah, Jeremy, that's why you're on. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you're on because, um, because you had a, a, a contentious, uh, divorce and sure. it's not any longer. And so let's just put a little perspective on it. Your child with diabetes. Um, how long, how old was, uh, how old was your child when you were divorced, when you got divorced? <clears throat> Um, he was four or five at the time. Okay. Did he have type one then? No, we didn't get it diagnosed until 2019, February 9th, uh, 2019. Well, no, not 1918. Roughly how long were you divorced when he was diagnosed? Four-ish years. Okay. So a fair amount of time. Um, and yeah. in those four years, what you were about to say is your relationship with your ex was how? It was okay. So it was interesting. I mean, right before the divorce and for, you know, since then it was, it was very rocky. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was where everybody's taking notes on everybody else just in case. And, you know, this is your time. This is my time. It it was me trying to manipulate a lot of the situations. It was me fighting to get this done or fighting to get that done. Um, it was, you know, it was me versus her. But at the same time, we always, she always still called me whenever she was, you know, uh, needed something or we, we still talked like we were friends, but there was still a hardcore line there. Yeah. Um, and as that progressed, um, it got more and more to the point where we were talking more and more as friends. Um, even to the point where she would call me about her boyfriends. Hey, this guy is saying this, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and it was, it was weird, but at the same time, I knew that she trusted me. Right. Um, and even to this day, I mean, like whenever Thayman went to his first, uh, camp last year, his diabetes camp, mm-hmm. she called me at 3am in the morning on her porch, freaking out you know, talking to me and I'm like, you have a husband, go talk to your husband about it. And she's like, no, but you understand. (laughs) So cat and I are sleeping. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, no, I I hear what you're saying. So, so this, so I guess removed from being impacted by your social anxiety, she really did like everything else about you. It wasn't, it was, it was really that part right there. Dude, you must've really been a hermit, huh? Yeah. 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 I say it. All right. Tell me about the diagnosis a little bit. How did, how did that go? Cause you're going to have a, a different story than other people. This week I've been helping a newly diagnosed family get through the first couple of days with type one. 
This is something I'm doing personally in my own time. And it didn't take uh, 48 hours for the person to say to me, is there another way to get this insulin in besides these needles? And I said, yeah, I mean, you could get an insulin pump. And they asked me which one I would choose. And the only thing that I could tell them was that the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump has been a mainstay in my daughter's life since she was four years old. And Arden is 16 now. For 12 years, every day, my daughter's been wearing an Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. And it's been a friend, honestly, in our our lives with type 1 diabetes. So not because, you know, it's a click for the podcast, but I just said to her, here, go to this link and give it a try. They'll send one to your house and you can slap it on and give it a whirl. Myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Well, the pod's on its way and they're very much looking forward to it. And I'll be able to report back to you what they do in the future. But I'm, you know, it's up to them. I don't, I don't honestly care what any of you do. I'm just telling you that the Omnipod exists. I think it's terrific. And it's super simple for you to check out because you can get a free, no obligation demo. Myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. The Omnipod is tubeless. It's easy. It works. You can swim, bathe, recreate, do whatever you want and keep it on. It's super important not to have to disconnect to do those things. Because when you do that, you're without your insulin. That's it. You don't need a big sell for me. It's what I think is right. It's why Omnipod's a sponsor. If I didn't like Omnipod, if I didn't love it, if my daughter didn't have the most amazing experience with it, they would not be sponsors on this podcast. That's it. It's uh, You can uh, take that to the bank, as they say. So support the podcast if you will. Use my link. And if you don't, as long as you guys are happy, that's what makes me happy. Another thing that makes me happy is being able to see the speed and direction of my daughter's blood sugar. You don't think I told those other people about Dexcom, too? I certainly did. Why? Because right here on my iPhone or on their um, Android, she told me I have an Android phone, so don't worry, it works with that too. I can see my daughter's blood sugar right now. Want to know what it is? It's 115. That quick. It's stable and steady. It is not rising or falling. It's actually been 115 for about the past 45 minutes as she came down from a little bit of a high from a lunch that had some fat and protein in it that I didn't do a great job of bolusing for. But we were able to bring that number down and come in for this beautiful landing at 115 because we can see Arden's blood sugar in real time because of the Dexcom G6. You understand? Went to a lunch, had some food. It hit her harder than it should have. And instead of sitting there all like, I don't know what to do, you know, for three or four hours and looking at this big blood sugar, we were able to bring it down gracefully and safely right back to where we want it. I'm not even going to bother telling you today. You know, when I say that, I'm going to tell you anyway, right? About the share and follow features. My daughter's sharing her Dexcom data and I'm seeing it on my phone. She could actually share it with up to 10 people of her choosing. If she was an adult and still wanted us to follow her blood sugars in college, we could do that. Or even if she was, uh, you know, a thousand years old, the oldest person in the world with diabetes, we could still follow her blood sugar on our phones. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Links are in the show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com if you can't remember them. And please add your name to the T1D Exchange. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. Back to Jeremy. I'll be damn. One take, no edits. I am 
so pleased with myself right now. You have no idea. I don't mean to break the fourth wall here. And you're listening to the podcast and everything. You're like, is Jeremy going to tell more about like, is the he is, he's going to get really into being divorced now and stuff like that. I, I don't think he cries, but one time he almost made me cry. Not the point. Point is, I just did that ad in one take, no edits. I only fumbled a word like one time. I am so happy with myself right now. Um, I'm so sorry. Here we go. Uh, podcast, here it comes. Tell me about the diagnosis a little bit. At that time, Colleen and my ex-wife lived in Helena. Um, it was about 80 miles away from where we live in Great Falls. Um, we... Great Falls, um, it's it's me, Thayman, my son, and her parents. Um, and she lives in Helena, 80 miles away. And he stays um, up here in Great Falls to go to school. That's where all his friends are. That's where he uh, started everything. Mm-hmm. And then she sees him on the weekend or whenever she comes down. She'll either come down to Great Falls and stay at her parents or Thayman will go up to her. My, my, uh, I don't want to call her my ex-mother-in-law because she's so much more than that to me. She's really is my secondary mother and her parents very much are still my family. Gotcha. Um, she had noticed that he was urinating more than usual. I had kind of noticed it, but eh, he's growing, whatever. And then finally the school teacher called and said, you know, I don't know what's going on, but Thayman went to the bathroom 15 times today. And uh, Kathy, who's sorry, is Thayman's grandma, Mm -hmm. had told me, hey, look, you know, he's been going to the bathroom a lot. Just pay attention. So the teacher actually allowed him to do it. And then that night um, I was like, "Okay, so this. Yeah, he had gotten up four or five times. And then all of a sudden. he started wet in the bed. I'm like, what the hell's going on? You know, he's, he's nine years old. This shouldn't be happening. And then all of a sudden it was, um, he peed the bed four times that night. And I'm like, okay, there's something going on here. So, um, I had called Kathy, my ex mother-in-law, and she said, you know, this can be quite a different couple things. It's probably just urinary tract infection, but I had this one kid at school where it was something else. I don't want to mention what it is, just you, you make an appointment. So I had made an appointment and um, I had called, said, hey, this is what's going on. Can I get an appointment sometime this week? And she's like, well, yeah. So they scheduled it three or four days later. And within 30 minutes, our um, pediatrician called me back and she said, we're not waiting until Wednesday. I need you down here now. Mm. And I'm like, okay, is there something wrong? She goes, there could be. Don't worry about it. Just get down here now. Let them know at the front desk who you are. Just get down here. Yeah. Um, we got down there. It was just me and Thayman at this point. And uh, I, the, the, the nurse was at the door with the door open and waiting for us. They pretty much had this nailed down from the very beginning. And, uh, I mean, the nurse grabbed a hold of Thayman's arm, started walking fast. I'm like, whoa, chill out. This is, he's just peeing a lot, man. Uh, <laughs> you know? And she's like, well, good, because if he's peeing all the time, he can pee in this cup. And uh, she peed in the cup, and um, they put us in a room, and 
uh, 45 seconds later, the pediatrician was in there with a, with the big old glucometer and one of those vampire pokers and, uh, got him bleeding, stuck him. And it was like five thirty-two. Mm. I'm like, okay, that, that, that seems high. That seems like a good score. Yeah. We're doing <laughs> right. 500 is a hard, that's a hard number to get. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you. I, I, I remember that point because, uh, her, her name's Crystal. She's an amazing, amazing doctor. She just immediately broke down and started crying. I still remember that like it was yesterday. And I said, is everything okay? And she's like, well, I'll be honest with you. Um, it looks like your life's about to change. Um, for, um, I, I need to get some blood to verify it. But she goes, you know, just be prepared if you need to call anybody to come down to the hospital with you and everything. Um, you know, this could be type one diabetes and it's a, it's a fairly large change in your life and you're going to need support. I'm like, okay, well, you know, my grandma had type type two and you know, I, I, I got this. It's, you know, I remember seeing grandma every day, every night, just taking a shot and you know, that'll be fine. Right. So, you know, we, we got the blood test and it was taking a while to come back. And she said, you know, um, I want you to go home and, you know, I'll call you, um, get your stuff together though. You're probably gonna have to go into the ER. And, uh, so we went over to grandma and grandpa's because grandma and grandpa's was a lot closer to the hospital than where, um, I currently lived. I see. And, uh, I sat there and I talked to, uh, Rick, my uh, ex-father-in-law, once again, so much more than just a ex-father-in-law. And uh, I told him right before we left, the doctor had called back and she goes, yeah, you're going to have to get down to the ER. And uh, I talked to him. I said, no, I'm probably not going to be able to do this by myself if this is something crazy. Um, just stay on standby. We got down to the ER. Um, they... They uh, smelled his breath. They did all this other stuff. They took his blood, and they're like, "Oh, yep, this type one diabetes." And I, and I, kind of just sat there for a second. I didn't know what any of it meant. Of course, they're not explaining anything. But he's not in DKA at this point. It isn't like we're you know rustling and bustling and like everything was going off. And I, and I just I I remember picking up the phone and talking or calling. his grandpa and I was like, look, you need to get down here. I'm going to need a second set of ears on this. I'm kind of deer in the headlight right now. Um, and, uh, he came down and he was there for the next at least 18 to 20 hours with me. How do you handle that with your, your ex-wife being so far away? Like, do you, do you tell her in that moment or do you tell her at the end or when do you contact her? So, um, the way we've always done medical stuff is it's 50, 50 decision. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, that's just a legal term to keep people happy in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's just something on a piece of paper, you know? Um, and I, and I had called her and I said, Hey, you know, I'd kind of kept her abreast, but I've always known, you know, you, you don't give her the full shabam right away. Um, just, let her kind of know the basics of, Hey, I'll keep you informed. If it's anything crazy, I'll give you a call. Um, and I remember calling her and I, and I told her, I said, look, we're down at the ER. 
Um, they're saying his blood sugar is high. Um, at this point, they're, they're saying something about type 1 diabetes. Um, I don't know much about it. Don't worry. I'll keep you, keep you going. I go, I just need from you. It, I mean, it can, I, I need to know that I have your permission to do whatever needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, is it that serious? And I said, it's, it's starting to look that way. Yes. Um, and she's like, well, is he going to die? And I'm like, no, he's not going to die. They said he's, he's fine. He'll live. He'll, you know, be fine and everything. It's just, I, I, I need your permission that, you know, if they say they need this, you know, an IV, if they need this, give the, and she's like, no, just do whatever you need to do. Um, she goes, you know, just let me know what's going on. Um, and, but with everything else, it's like nowadays, it's like, you need a flu shot. Yeah. Yeah. Get it. Whatever. You know, we, we felt each other out to know kind of where, um, liberties are because primarily I'm, I'm the one taking them to the doctors. I'm the one getting them ready for school. I'm the one that's, you know, she lives 80 miles away. Um, and so at this point she just trusts me to do whatever, just, you know, yeah. tell her afterwards and she's fine. Um, but with type one, it, it was, it was a little different. I mean, there was a lot of asking, a lot of, uh, explaining a lot of, uh, so, that, know, and, so and, that's, and, give me a second here. Cause that's interesting because you're the one who understands what's happening as best as possible because you're there, but you still need to get someone's okay. But I'm assuming you don't have, you, you can't walk her through it every step of the way to make sure she understands because you don't have that kind of time on this end. And, and so does it does in your opinion does somebody have to just give over and say all right look you know more about this than i do so i'm going to defer to you or is it about educating the other person and how do you i guess what did you end up doing so from that point um i finally told her you know we got our own room go ahead and come up he's perfectly fine. He's not going to die, but there is a lot of information. We're not going to be allowed to leave the hospital until all the caretakers are up there, get educated and we pass the test. That's just how they do it up here. And she's like, okay. So she came down and there was this moment whenever she had called me, whenever she was outside because the pediatric floor up here is locked. You have to be let in. Um, so crazy people can't come in and steal your kid or the kids can't wander off. Right. And I remember meeting her at the door and I remember she wanted to go into the room and I said, no, just come over here with, with me for a second. And th- this is really where it all for us, this is where it all broke down. Okay. Well, not broke down in a bad way. I pulled her into the room right next door and I said, look, Everything in the past, everything that we've been fighting about for the last two years, three years, whatever it was at that point, all of the bull that we've been doing, all of the arguing, all the fighting, all the lying, all the everything else, um, it, it, it ends now. Okay. I go, what you're about to walk into is going to change your life, our life, our family's life forever. Mm. I go, things are completely different now. So at this point, I need your word that everything from the past, it's done. It's clean slate. 
there can't be a divide anymore. Yeah. And she, she kind of, I, I remember, and I remember this, like it was yesterday. She just, she kind of looked at me and she's like, is it really going to change her life that much? And I said, every day it's going to be something different. And if we don't work for a team as a team, there is going to be more Thayman, Thayman's health is going to be at risk if we do not work as a team. Yeah. And I remember she just kind of, she, she let out this little, like she like let out all the air in her lungs and she's like, okay, let's do this. And it was on to the races at that point. Um, I, I have to stop so, you for a second. I'm, I'm imagining that when you said that to her, she thought, wow, this is so bad. You and I are going to be nice to each other. <laughs> you know well, I mean? I, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and, and, and you have to kind of remember from at that point, you know, it was, it was weird. I, we were still friends, but we were still, whenever it came down to the, the Thamen level, we were very, very against each other. You know, this is my day. This is my day. You know, you get in between this time and this time. And can, can well, I ask you, you about that? This. Like from your perspective, sure. why does that happen? Like what, what, what re, is it a fear that, that he's going to like one of you better or that like, what feeds that? In, okay. <laughs> so, and I have an interesting way of looking at that. Um, for one, and, and I'm not talking about like my ex-wife at this point, I'm mm-hmm. just talking in general. Yeah. I honestly think it's a power trip. I think that it's uh, because I remember this. I remember getting in a, into this exact fight with Kalina. Um, I said something to the point of our son or my son. And we're, she's like, no, he's not your son. He is my son. And I remember fighting with her about, no, no matter how many times you spin this, he is our son. Mm-hmm. We created him. Whether you like it or not, we are going to be, you know, dealing with this until he's 18. Right. You know, and I, so I, I think a lot of it is, is is a power struggle. You know, you did me wrong, so I'm going to lock down and be, you know, this is my kid. It is a lot of it. A lot of people do have something to worry about. There are those those relationships where, you know, either either one of them are abusive and it would be stupid to let them, you know, take full control Yeah. or, you know, there are those situations, but for the most part, I think it's a bunch of peacocking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, they're everybody, they're still in that stage of being pissed off about the divorce. They're still in that you stage, I guess. Um, you kid, whatever, whatever, yeah. the, you know, it is. And they get stuck in this thing and they, they're like, the kids are perfect ammo for my destruction of this other person. It's the one thing that I still know you care about and that you'll be upset about if it goes the way you don't yep. want it to go. No, I understand that not yeah. all, all cases are like that. I mean, there's some families it's like I, that I read online that it's just like, I wouldn't give him to, I, I wouldn't give the kid to him either. Yeah, you know? yeah. Your specific situation. You're two very decent, loving parents who either of them could, you know, either of you sounds like could have your child full time, and it it wouldn't be detrimental to your child. But there are situations where there are people defending against more than just bickering. It's uh, 
Absolutely. Yeah, right, absolutely. Right, right. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. So, um, so you basically came from the perspective of, look, this is a health issue and we can't like, nothing's more important than his health. So we're going to, exactly. we're just going to put this all aside. Did it work initially or were there bumps getting to that? Oh no, it was an immediate for us. It was immediate. There was a, a little bit of feeling out of, you know, um, there, there, there had, to, there was a lot of trust that had to be built in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um, and for the first three months when we were still, you know, doing the, the what the endo wanted, <laughs> if you will, um, there, there was a, a little bit of a, of a, a power struggle, but it wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't like we were arguing left, right, and center. Um, because at this point it's primarily just, um, myself and his grandparents um Kalina had to go back to Helena and, um she had been trained at the hospital but it was still it was military boot camp you know yeah, there's fast. no ex here's your pens goodbye um although I, I will admit our, our hospital up here did an amazing job I mean that I still remember the, the the pediatric nurse Jamie was amazing I I could that that, that woman deserves a raise threefold over but anyways um, it wasn't until about three months in whenever I've always been that type of person that, um, like I owned a lot of Honda civics and I could still probably tell you what every single wire in that car does. Okay. Um, know what the voltage is, what it leads to and everything else. And I kind of applied the same thing to diabetes. Um, I instantly got online the night he was diagnosed. I remember sitting there until four in the morning and, and, we were put in a double room and given the corner room and they knew there was a lot of families so that we needed a bigger room and, um, whatnot. So I, I slept in the hospital with him and every single night he was there. Um, and I remember sitting online and I started researching and then I found Facebook groups and then I found out, found other Facebook groups. And then I found, um, parents, uh, you know, parent type groups, mm -hmm. Um, trying to be sensitive here to names of groups. And I buckled down and I started reading people's experiences and their knowledge. And then, of course, I went off the deep end and, of course, had to... Um, I wanted to know exactly what failed in my son. And, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I've trained my son that way, the same way too. You ask that kid what an alpha cell, a beta cell, a delta cell, and a gamma cell is, and he can tell you what each one does, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and I, and I, I deep dove and became obsessed with anything and everything diabetes. Um, and, all of the crazy ways that his body works differently than our bodies and everything else. And I quickly learned that, um, what grandma and grandpa knew and what mom do, knew and what I knew there was a clear, you know, like, okay, what the endo's telling us. Yes, that will keep him alive, but I don't want to just keep him alive. I want to make sure that when he leaves, at 18 or whatever. And then, and I've told them and I go, dude, if you want to live with me until you're 30, I don't care mm. uh, <laughs> that, uh, ultimately, you know, whenever you turn 18, I want is, I, 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 I want to be able to honestly tell him that 
if if he goes out and keeps doing the things he's doing, he's going to live a long and happy life. Yeah. And do you think he's getting? How long has he had type one now? Again, is it a couple of years? It's two, about two and a half two years. And a half years. Okay. And it's going really well for you guys. You really are. Um, I mean, I watch you in the in the Facebook group, and you, you're a resource for people. You really have a handle on it. How how are things going? And how have you been able to communicate that back and forth with his mom and him? And do you do you have a smooth system at this point? It, as smooth as it can be. It, it is very smooth. Um, so I would want to say, if, if you had to break it down, grandma and grandpa have them about 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. I have them about 40% of the time. And Kalina has them about 10% of the time because she has weekends and whatnot. Yeah, right. So, um, you know, like, like I said at the very beginning, I'm a single dad. I, and whenever I mean single, I mean single, single. I don't have someone else to watch my son whenever I go to work. Mm-hmm. So grandma and grandpa have him. Um, they, I give them a couple nights a week because of all they do for, for me. Um, so it, it comes out to about 50, 40, 10. And whenever I finally said, okay, I'm taking control of all this and you know, I understand what's going on the way that I see diabetes in my head. I'm sure I could make an episode just about how visually it works in my head. Um, cause it doesn't make sense to me, let alone anybody else, but it ends up working out. Okay. <laughs> um, so anyways, so the communication part at this point is, um, kind of like your episode texting with diabetes, except it's instead of the school and instead of with your kid, it's literally with the kid, the mom, and the grandparents. Mm-hmm. There's group chats. We use Tidepool to enter in all of his carbs and his meal times and what he ate. So I can kind of look at things whenever he's over there and go, okay, this rise is from the food. It isn't just basil or anything else. I can kind of look and say, okay, well, well, he had pasta tonight. That's kind of what this is. Um so we use Tidepool where everybody can enter in information and everybody can see everything that's being done real time. Mm-hmm. Um, we use SugarMate to call us at night. Um, um, if he gets low, there's a lo- something like that happens. Everybody gets that ring through phone call that SugarMate does. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And, and you know, does it get annoying? Like, especially if he's at someone else's house and you hear it. No, it doesn't. Hmm. It The way we all see it and we all discuss it and everything else is that it's back up. Yeah. You know, um, and normally we don't start getting a little antsy and start texting each other back and forth like crazy people unless he gets, you know, very low 60s or into the 50s. And typically at that point, it's at this point it's just the text the thamen of you okay dude yeah you and expect someone's going to do something about it you just it's it the anxiety of not knowing if they're maybe missing it yeah or because or i'll be right. at, at first at, at first it was like anytime that that thing went off and he was below 80 it was like oh my god what happened is it activity is it food is it this right and there is still a little bit of that on my side because with 
with me doing all the pump changes, with me doing all of the the generalized, this is the direction we're moving. Um, it's one of those things I kind of need to know, and and then it, it's turned into me just texting grandma and saying activity question mark, mm-hmm. and she'll say no, and I'm like just sitting on his butt, and he she's like yep, and so. If I see that around two 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 days in a row, typically I can go, okay, well that's basal. It just needs to be touched a sec, you know, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of how we communicate at this point, at least me and the grandparents. Um, we do have some phone calls that may last a little longer to try to figure out, you know, a, a little bit more. But for the most, it's just very simple text. Um, and then there's still times where things are just not right. Like right now, right now he's he's just starting puberty. And, um, although he's still like 85, 90, 95% range every day. Um, there's the basil is still needs to be pushed down. You know, he's, um, basil is just, it's like pouring on, you know, it's like (laughs) your, your analogy with airplane, just here I come dump there, you know, dump the insulin. And, uh, so anyways, we're going through that a little bit right now, but like that, that's just, we, we know that's what's going on. I'm, you know, adding a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more every day. And the, the common thing you'll hear between me and the grandparents anyways, give me a couple days, I'll fix it. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they know at that point, you know, a, I know there's a problem. B I, I have a plan to attack it and C just give me a couple days. Yeah. Um, with mom, it's a little different. Um, with mom, since she isn't around it quite as much, um, there's a lot more phone calls going on. Um, and every time that, you know, and, and she, she knows there's an open door, um, and she calls sometimes it's, she doesn't have to call at all. Sometimes she calls two or three times in a weekend Yeah, and that's okay. Um, ultimately I don't just tell her what to do and hang up the phone. It's typically I, I, I give her a quick, this is why it's happening. This is what to look for. And this is how we, sh- this is what I would do. Um, and She's then receptive typically to that because it, yes. it works. And so, and why not? Typically it's, it's one of those things that you hear about that type of thing. Once she gets it, we fix it, we move on. Um, and that's really, you know, what we've had to do as a, as a, as a family. And and you've probably seen me post it plenty of times in your group, Mm -hmm. you know, just fix it and move on. Yeah. Have there been enough times where something's been fixed that then she says, Oh, I figured this out now. And then that stops being a communication point because she doesn't need it anymore. Like she's growing more slowly because she's not around it as much, but still figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, And like I said, it is one of those things where I explain it to her once um, she gets it and we move on. Um, there's, there are some times that she'll text me and she goes, is this what we were talking about last week? Is the same thing happening here? And I, you know, ask a few questions. I'm like, yeah, it is. So sometimes she wants backup just to, uh, acknowledge that, yes, this is what's going on. Um, but for the most part, she's fairly independent at this point. Um, there might be, t- and, and she knows that there are some times that if something's looking crazy, I will just call, call Thayman. I will take control and I will tell him what he needs to do. 
he knows what's going on. If she needs to know at that point, then, then he explains it to her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of it's, a lot of it's transitioning from me talking to the grandparents and me talking to Kleena to me talking to Thayman. And, uh, he, he may be Levin and everything, but there are sometimes I'll call him and say, Hey dude, what do you think's going on right now? And he'll tell me, well, dude, it's obviously Basil dad, come on, <laughs> you know? And so a lot of the communication now is between me and Thayman and everybody else just kind of follows that lead. Yeah. Now there is a point that, yes, I do still have to tell grandma and grandpa what, what, you know, Thayman and I are doing or, um, yeah, they need to know, right. They can't, they, they don't, sure. you don't want them to be surprised or not know something's happening. Him forget to mention yeah. it. Yeah. That kind of thing. I mean, I can't tell them, well, I'm, I'm increasing basil because of this and blah, 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 blah. I mean, I can't sit there and go on for 30 minutes about it. I just, I need to let them know that I'm handling it. Hey, I'm adding a little more basil here. I'm at taking away a little bit here. Watch out at these times. Hey, I've, you know, lowered the carb ratio down for uh, breakfast or lunch. Just be kind of mindful of that time frame. Um, and that's about it at this point, mm. you know? Yeah. Well, it, it does become a situation where it is so kind of 24 hours a day that you, you don't, there's not enough time to explain it. You'd need two different, you'd have to pause your day to have an explanation day and it, diabetes doesn't work that way. So, well, and see, that's yeah. how, that's how it was at the very beginning. I'll be honest with you there. I, I tried to explain everything to mm. everybody. And the way I am, you know, like I was telling you earlier, I learned everything and everything. And I was trying to explain glycolysis to them at one point. <laughs> and they're just looking at, you know, and, it, <laughs> and, and, and that's fine. They'll, they'll get there on their own on that type of stuff. But I was trying to overload them with information to the point that it was like, why, why are, just shut up, Jeremy, just <laughs> yeah. tell them you got it. Tell tell them, hey, hormones, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, and and move on. And it it we've evolved quite a bit Good. because I, I, although I'm like socially awkward, I can tell when people are like looking at me, going, "Dude, you're over explaining way too much." <laughs> yeah, I listen. I it's not uncommon. I have you know, I I find it sometimes it feels very important for me to people to understand all the facets of a, of a scenario. And it's not like they don't care and it doesn't matter. Yeah. It feels like it matters to me and you know, it doesn't. And um, it, it, you know, stuff like that causes problems sometimes because sometimes you're just talking and people are just like, what are you shut up? Like just give the yep. kid insulin yep. and let's keep moving here. You know? Yep. So would you say that if I told you, Jeremy, I need you to put this into one sentence. The, the key to your, the key to your success right now is the anger part you guys gave away. Yes. That was it, right? Like you just decided not to be angry with each other anymore. Yeah. And I know that's hard in one sentence, but it, it's kind of like that saying, let go and let God. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not religious or anything, but you know, the whole concept of, you know, this is bigger than ourselves. And as parents, there's nothing more important than the child. And ultimately, you don't mean anything in this world without your kid. Mm-hmm. And 
if you don't get along, there's always going to be that risk of that kid not being there. What's the point of all? I, I think that probably when you hear people say they have these amazing divorces, I think those are people who both said, wow, this was a mistake. We should not have gotten married. And and everybody's everybody, you know, just suddenly backs up and goes, oh, this is better like this. This that was a definite mistake. But I think a lot of divorce even it's not always just on one side, but people are like, I don't really want to get divorced. I just don't see a way out of this. And it, it keeps repeating and repeating and repeating that, you know, my life is going on and I'm not going to live forever. So I can't do this forever. We're not going towards anything, but I don't think that people get divorced thinking, yes, that's what I want. I think they think, Oh, that didn't work, but I wanted it to, you, you yep. know, and it, and it's a, a sadness that it doesn't work. And then you know, there's that person still exists somewhere. And especially if you've been together for enough time. Oh yeah. It's hard to think that there's a person that exists out into the world that you wish you were with that you don't see. And, and I could take that away from divorce for a second and say, you know, my brothers and I moved away from each other and every day I think, why do we not live closer to each other? You know, like, yep. like I wonder what my brother's doing right now. And, and the knowledge that I'll keep wondering that and keep wondering that and keep wondering that for years and decades and then one day one of us is just gonna die and yep. like that's that's a a really hard thing to think about and and i want to tell you something here to hopefully make you feel good about sharing your experience i'm i'm a child of divorce as well and if you ask me what the most important thing in the world is to me about my family i don't want them to know what that feels like because i know I know exactly what it feels like. I can see the looks on my little brother's faces when it happened. I can hear my mom crying. I can see how angry my dad was. Like I, my goal in life is for my family to never understand what that is. And having that goal sometimes causes me to do, do things that are actually detrimental to the goal. And I know that's really strange, but when you don't want something bad to happen, you know, it. I explained it once that bad things don't just you know always happen because somebody puts them into into motion. Sometimes there's a a bunch of different things that kind of intersect and they're nobody's fault. You know, somebody drops something or somebody, and then it starts. You know, somebody says a coarse word and that it's met with a you know. And the next thing you know, you know how something like that starts, and ten minutes later, everybody's upset, and you think, wait, this is because the coaster fell on the floor. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yep. like how did we get to this? And when yep. when I see those things cascading, it is right away front and center in my mind. Stop this! Like stop this! Yep. Like th th that. And I really did just make up the idea of a coaster falling, but a coaster falling is not going to be why my kids know the pain that my brothers know. Like like do you know what yep. I mean? Like like and and that's unreasonable. And I know that, and I work at it to not let it overwhelm me. But there are times where I feel like, oh my God, this has to stop right now. We're all going to end up in a bad place. And uh, yeah, it, that, it's a slow burn. Yeah. It's, it's a just, slow burn. It's terrible for There's anybody who doesn't know about it. You're that, lucky. Yep. Yep. Um, but for those of you who do know about it and who write in all the time saying, is there an episode about how to handle type one diabetes with uh, divorce? Um, I think Jeremy just went over a bunch of things that are really valuable uh, support uh, a, a third party, even, I think it's a big deal about your mother and father-in-law being involved. Uh, I heard group text messages, everyone knowing when to be involved and when to be an onlooker. 
Um, and the idea of you, you got to stop punishing each other, which is, you know, or yourself, by the way, um, which I think sometimes happens when you're, when you have a person and you're, you're just, you're going at them all the time, all the time, all the time, there's got to be a part in the back of your head that thinks, and I, I, I genuinely don't want to make you upset because you've been so valuable here, but there's got to be a part of you that thinks like, how did I not figure this out soon enough to save my marriage? And that's, and so you're punishing yourself and punishing them and vice versa. It's, it's really it's yeah. ugly, you know? Well, and, and, you know, I, I'll, I'll be 100% honest here with you. Um, I have honestly punished myself every single day for the last seven years. It's gotten better over time, but there still isn't a day that goes by that I don't think I could have done something more. Hmm. Um, and ultimately I think in order for at least myself to move on is I need to learn how to forgive myself because I've already forgiven her for all of her side of things because there was things on her side too, you know, no, no marriage is perfect. I understand. Um, and that's the biggest thing really is everybody needs to learn how to forgive each other, find the best way to move forward as a dysfunctional family unit, whatever that is, you know, a divorced family and realize that it's just not about you. Because that's what caused all the fighting at the beginning and everything else of it's me, 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 me. It's no longer us. So I have to focus on me. Um, But yeah, there isn't a day that goes by that I still don't in some way just go, you know what? You're a divorced dad and whatnot. And I don't want to beat myself up, but you know, that it is a constant, you know, failure point in my life, I guess. Um, well, so all I can do at this point is ahead, become sorry. a better dad. Right. Um, and I know this sounds weird, be a better ex-husband, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's, it's not me trying to get back with her. It's not, you know, I, right. I, I, I had my dad, you know, who lives in Lincoln, Nebraska, who, you know, is far away from me. He told me, he goes, Jeremy, you're just being nice to her because, because you want to get, get her back. And I'm like, no dad, that has nothing to do with it. I mean, it wasn't until he came up the next year for three weeks in the summer and he saw how labor intensive type one was and understood why, you know, I would go over to Kathy and Rick's for dinner. He didn't understand, like, like we walked up to their house and we just walked into their house and he's like, well, why aren't you knocking? I'm like, dad, they're my family, just like you are. He thought, and he really thought that you were just going to, like you were pretending to be the person that your wife was looking for when you were married, hoping that that would just bring exactly. back, not understanding how important doing those things was to your son's health. Well, yeah, because yeah. You, you know, my mom and dad got divorced too. And that was, that was a nasty, nasty, nasty divorce. Mm-hmm. And his idea of divorce was completely different than my idea of divorce. And how I was handling my divorce versus how he handled his divorce. You know, yeah, no. So he was just he was just seeing what happened to him and kind of projecting it onto you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow, dude, that was uh, 
I appreciate this. I really do. Like you were, I mean, at one point at the end, you Dude, said, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Three hours. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, that you said, I'm, I'm going to be honest. And I thought, wait, you were being honest, man. You don't have to be any more honest than that. But that was the other part is like, you didn't really need me, which is great. Sometimes I, I like that you can just, you just came on and you could tell your story and you knew you had it laid out and, I appreciate you being so verbal and, and well, and, and Scott, I'll be honest with you. There, there, there's <laughs> so much left on the table. Like I said, I could talk for three hours. I, I know that's not a thing, but, yeah. um, well, there, there highlight a couple of things for me though. But I mean, what else do you think people need to know? 99% of it's communication and it's not about you. It's about the kid. I mean, those, that's really where it focuses around. And, um, at first it's going to seem like hurting cats. You just have to figure out how each cat needs to be wrangled in, how how each cat likes to be stroked, mm-hmm. and where not to touch certain cats. So when you're all in, when you're all on the same team, you know, family team, then there's sure. a feeling from each person, like when it's a connected family, still, like everybody's married and all in the same house. There's a feeling of like, well, I don't agree with that, but I'll go along with it. But as soon as everybody kind of backs away. Everyone has their own style and you're not going to get a meshing in the same way. You're saying like, you have to understand there's this, this person's not going to react to that. So we don't do that with this person. We do this yes. instead. Ah, okay. Because grandma has, has one understanding of di- diabetes and, and the way that she cares for diabetes. Grandpa has a different view and mom has a different view. And I have to try to wrangle the whole group and try to get one cohesive line of treatment. Um, and that's been the biggest challenge, really, is to try to, you know, you read all these posts all the time of, well, he's at his dad's again. He's been above 300 for the last two hours. Right. And, and I, I didn't want that. So I had to find out how to get um, a lot of your... Um, teachings i guess if you want to call them those that sounds very um, high-minded when you say it like that and i, I, feel I like, know i, I know. feel like i, I should have a to blow that head up of yours, i wanted Scott. to I, I wanted to put on a burlap robe and shave my head bald when you said that and then go sit on well, the top no, of a mountain and, and, and i'll be honest with you i, I it, the, <laughs> grandma was like because I, I send her over episodes to listen to of like if something was going on i would send her the fat and protein you mm-hmm. know I'd, i don't do that every time but you know so she'd understand and she's like he has a lot of good points but boy, is he cocky. He's just, he's so full of himself, but he has really good information. And I, I know you've heard that before. I've heard you say it before. Sure. Um, and, but that's the generation gap because, and that's the other big thing is um, we all know that type one is a family led disease. You know, the, the, the endo gives you your boot camp instructions to keep the kids alive. Everything else is up to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you have a really, really, really good endo. Um, so grandma and grandpa are from the, the generation where you went to the doctor, you listened to the doctor, and you didn't dare question the doctor's authority because they know and, you know, you they're from that older yeah. generation. And where, you know, with me and my generation, it's like, okay, the doctor said this, but how about a second, third, and fourth, and fifth opinion? Mm-hmm. And let's get as much information as we can and let's move forward, you know. And so it, it's trying to find or corral three different, four different ways of thinking 
and getting one plan together to still have excellent glycemic control and uh, be able to, you know, move forward. Yeah. No, I hear you. I'm, I'm Well, listen, man, congratulations. I think it, it, I'll tell you what really strikes me is that you were willing to say this and have it recorded, which means that the people you were speaking about, you very much believe will agree with what you said. And yeah, and that's um a big deal. Like in my mind is that you didn't just set up some sort of, uh, you know, it's not a paper tiger, right? Like, it's not like it works, but everybody's just teetering on the edge and about to explode. Like you, you guys actually are all comfortable with your piece of this and and it's okay that there's a person who has more of the knowledge about diabetes than the others and and they're willing to everyone's willing to work off of that i think it's really wonderful and and by the way i have a message to grandmom here in case she ever hears this i'm trying grandmom to get a bunch of information into people's heads uh, and i have to project a certain amount of confidence where i am confident and I don't want to meander in the conversation because if I spend a lot of time being what I am assuming she would take as polite um, and and not forceful, then the conversations get too long and then nobody listens and you lose the thread of the idea. So there's a there's a method to this madness. I think if she sat with me, she'd feel like I wasn't like that. But, you know, I'm sure. No, I'm just kidding. I don't care what she said. She thinks. was a no, school teacher for 30 no. plus years. <laughs> Listen, I'm from the East Coast and you're in Montana? Yes, sir. I would assume she just, like, I probably talk too quickly and I just, I come, I probably come off terribly to her. I'm sorry. Tell her I'm sorry, but I'm glad everything's going well. <laughs> Happy the kid's yeah. okay. That's all. No, I mean, she, she, she loves your podcast. It's just. Well, he that's excellent. Well, tell her, please tell, I was, you know, obviously being lighthearted there, but then again, I don't know if it's yeah. obvious or not, if she'll be like, okay, there he is doing it again. Uh, but no, I was just being lighthearted, but I appreciate yeah. that it's helpful to you guys. I really do. And, um, and please my best to everybody. And uh, I really appreciate you doing this. Like I said, there were not a lot of people willing to come on and talk about this stuff. So you did a really cool thing here today. I tried. No, you really did. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, my best to your cat, cat. Uh, yeah. What is his? What is your cat's name? The the cat is literally named Kitty because that's what Thamen wanted to name it. All right, well, listen. I'm like, dude, we can name it George, man. We can name it anything. So he he tried to name it once. He's like, well, maybe we can do Bolus and Basil because there's two cats. Okay. And I'm like, I'm like, well, which one's Bolus and which one's Basil? And that's about as far as that got. So it turned back into Kitty 1 and Kitty 2. That's all. Oh, see, now that's <laughs> by the way, that's only something that would happen in a single father's house. So that is a triumph. Absolutely. <laughs> there, Absolutely. There's not one woman listening to this right now that's thinking, I would allow my cats to be called Kitty 1 and Kitty 2. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. All right, Jeremy, thank you so much. I I really appreciate it. Hey, really appreciate Jeremy stepping up when a lot of other people um, couldn't. I actually got a couple of notes from people who were like, I would love to do this, but I can't. So, Jeremy, you're aces, man. You're a great dad. Sounds like you're a great co-parent. Um, I think there are a lot of people out there who are divorced or co-parenting are probably pretty jealous of, of what you guys have going on. Also, a big thank you to Omnipod. Check out the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump today at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Get them to send you a free, no obligation demo by typing in a tiny bit of information at that link. It might literally take you less than two minutes to get that demo coming to your house. 
myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Find out more, of course, about the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. And the T1D Exchange, beyond being uh, beyond doing great work, is completely HIPAA compliant, one bazillion percent safe for you to do. I did it myself, put my my information right in there as the uh, parent of a child with type 1. That's what they're looking for, people with type 1 diabetes or parents of people with type 1 who live in the U.S., and this is completely blinded, meaning your answers are not in any way connected with your information. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it doesn't say, like, Scott said this. It's just parent of type 1 answered this way. That kind of, you know, it's, it's anonymous is what I probably should have said. Anyway, you take this survey, which did not ask any deep probing questions as far as I was concerned. It took me about seven minutes, and I was done. They're going to follow up once a year with a couple of other questions. If there are other opportunities to do things, I, I, I have the option to do them, but I don't have to. And the best part is you can do this from your living room, right there on your phone or on your PC. It's that simple. And if at some point in the future you decide you just don't want to be involved anymore, you can drop out. No big deal. T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. Support diabetes research and support the podcast at the same time. All of these links, of course, are available at juiceboxpodcast.com. You can also find at juiceboxpodcast.com the best doctors that listeners to the podcast have suggested for you. That's at juiceboxdocs.com. And all the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes are available at diabetesprotip.com, in case you want to share them with people or something like that. Otherwise, everything, like I said, is at Juicebox Podcast. And of course, you can listen to everything that I've ever done right here, 100% for free always for free. Thanks so much for listening. Check out the other After Dark episodes or Diabetes Pro Tip episodes or just the regular episodes of the podcast at your leisure. And of course, please subscribe in your podcast app, tell a friend about the show, and leave a wonderful review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Those five-star reviews really help other people to check out the show. It actually happens. Trust me, it's not for ego. If I didn't have any reviews, I'd I still know how many people are listening. It doesn't matter to me. What matters is that the next person coming along says, oh, look, people find this podcast valuable, and then maybe they'll learn some things like you did, or it'll help them, or they'll be entertained or not feel alone or whatever. But somehow they need to know this is the show I should try. So help me there if you can. Have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.